abandon all hope, ye who enter here. This is part two of the season three finale of The Gothic Podcast. The Gothic Podcast is a horror and humor actual play audio drama. As such, it contains material, including our jokes, that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. On the Pescado Malo, a similar alarm is going off. Self-destruct activated, but not in my voice, in someone else's. (laughs) (laughs) Self-destruct activated. Self-destruct activated. There is a xenomorph in with the four of you. Patients has seen on their scanner, hastily cobbled together, that there are apparently three others out there in the ship. They appear to be coming closer. This one came through the ventilation work. That can be sealed off, you know, patients. Can I do that from where I'm at right now? Yes. The controls you're at uh, can seal that off. It still leaves the one xenomorph inside, but no more could get in through the ventilation systems. Hey, listen, I would rather deal with one xenomorph than four xenomorphs. <laughs> so, you know, tail spiked my head. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I will do that. I will seal off the ductwork. Bosco, you're all on the bridge. You've been interrogating this new person, Jules who was apparently in the cryo chamber that you picked up. And now there is a xenomorph thing here in the bridge with you. This, uh, you know, one of those things you saw down, tear off Patience's arm, and it's just come falling through the ceiling. You know, he just wants to club this thing with his jack. He's just going to come in and the not very strategic, but possibly effective like Haymaker. He's just going to come around. Uh, You guys almost see it in slow motion, even though he's putting uh, all of his force and weight behind the the movement. But he's, uh, yeah, he's going to smack the thing as hard as he can as soon as I get the dice ready, because managing all the characters. Yeah, right? (laughs) Uh, Crap. Did he have stress? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Poor Bosco. A lot of dice. Oh, shit. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, I guess well, you, may, you may only be playing one character here in a moment. That's appropriate. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's 11 dice. That's like, that's bad. almost not that statistically I should have had just about two of each one. That is zero successes. And two face huggers. <laughs> well, you know what that means. Uh, oh, it does. Man. It means I have to switch to the other PDF. Sorry. Wait, when you roll two face huggers at once, do you have to panic? No. Do you have to do two panic rolls? No, it just matters whether you get a face hugger. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> for now I rolled a six. <laughs> Increase your stress and drop a weapon or other oh. important item. It's it's your wallet, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, that went terribly. <laughs> well, so describe this to us. <laughs> okay, so, you know, there's always that scene in the movie where the, the, the large, somewhat overbearing man decides he's just going to do, like, a football tackle on somebody. He's going to go in for that strike. Uh, it's tactically unsound and usually a terrible idea. So that's what he's going to do. He's got this maintenance jack. He's coming with the haymaker. He's just going to put the full force of everything behind it. However, when you do that, you're committed. Like, there, there is no dancing around. There is no, uh, you know, agile aspect to this maneuver. So you either connect or you don't, which is what happens here. He doesn't connect. And it's not even that the alien necessarily dodges out of the way. He just misses. Just completely misses the head. So as he stumbles forward with that, because his weight's got to go somewhere. All that momentum has to go somewhere. So what he's left with is he's essentially bear-hugging the alien. (laughs) Not like as in, like, I'm going to crush its spine, but as in, like, I'm the drunken buddy and the alien's trying to help it back home. (laughs) 
<laughs> the alien just looks at you like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, his like feet are completely no longer underneath of him in any ma- you know practical manner. You do, and you guys just hear him go, "Well, shit." <laughs> you guys kiss accidentally. <laughs> the xenomorph grabs back, lifts Bosco up, oh, and no. opens its jaws wide. And Bosco, you can see that second mouth inside drool just dripping down from it. Patience. You need to close the vents. You don't need to roll a comtech or anything, but this will count as your fast action. Okay. What I'd really like to do is, like, interfere with this thing attacking my shipmate, but I'm seated, and so I can't, like, I can't really effectively throw myself at him. There's also the um, self-destruct issue. Oh, okay. I guess I'll spend my, <laughs> my other action uh, trying to turn that off. Yeah, you can also do that. You have the override codes. It was apparently put into play by the captain. Right, it was his uh, code. You're here, in the, you're here on the bridge, and you can override that. Mm-hmm. And it, it will just take you some time, and so it uses up your second fast action. Then it's going to be Jules. Oh, goodness. Um, man, you know, to... Not only make life more difficult, not only are three characters, but there have been three versions of Jules tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, just, just gonna throw that out there. I was kind of hoping for, like, uh, cameo appearances from all of us in each other's, you know, timelines, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> I think it's complicated enough with just Jules. Um... Because this thing did not come through the door, if my memory serves. Didn't it come in some other way? Through the vents, the ceiling. Right. That's where they always come from. If they're not underneath you, they're above you. Yeah. And if they're not underneath or above you, they're behind you. Isn't there the little hallway? You know, like, because this is the bridge, so there's going to be, like, the uh, little captain's quarters that lead to his little private room. Not up here, no. Nope, that's not here. Okay. She's looking to see if there's another place that she can go try to hold up in. And, uh, I mean, it's a, the bridge is fairly large. You could find a place to hide. Uh, there's, it's on that tiered system where you've got the, uh, the upper tier is the captain's chair and some, uh, some other controls up here, which is one of the ones that patience is at and where the xenomorph has dropped down and has picked up Bosco toward the, uh, front end of the ship forward where the big view windows are is another rack of, controls for navigation and such. And down there, you could find someplace a little out of the way to hide. Actually, instead of hiding, she's going to go down to um, the navigation station and see... Okay, she has two goals that she's going to try to accomplish when she gets there, and uh, we'll see which one's going to be easier. First of all, she wants to know where the ship is going, and is sure that it's going where she wants it to. Um, So you get down there, Jules, and you see on the navigation screens that the ping from Wednesday Station on the long-range scanners, you will be there probably within a couple of hours if you don't blow up or get uh, eviscerated first. Yeah, there's that. Um, so she's going to try to access the control panel and see if she, she, what she wants to do is access the ship sensors and try to figure out how many of these damn things there are on the ship. Patience has already done that, so it's easy enough to bring that up on a screen too. Uh, you get three other readings, uh, life forms on the uh, Pescado Malo. They are uh, two of them are are blocked at the door, but one is back toward engineering. Okay, and the ship does appear to be going towards Wednesday Station. Yes. Well, all she's got to do is survive. Then that doesn't. Uh, so yeah, she's gonna. That's her mission now is to get somewhere safe and try to you know crawl into something if she has to. You hear the scream behind you. <laughs> <laughs> Lars. Yeah, what am I going to do for you? Lars isn't doing too hot. <laughs> this is all f- freaking me out quite a bit. Is Bosco still wrapped up with the alien? Yes. Dang. And I don't think I picked up any weapons. There's a maintenance jack laying on the floor now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's just wonderful, Bosco. Thank you. Yeah. Look around. What kind of weapons do I have available? There's a broken jack on the floor. 
anything else. There's about to be a broken Bosco on the floor. I, I had that fire extinguisher, which I put down, I imagine, to sit at the controls. There is a fire extinguisher then nearby, too. I don't think there's a whole lot up here. The bridge is not, like, a great place to have, like, loose stuff lying around. <laughs> there's wires, <laughs> cables, but, yeah, it's not like keep a bunch of guns or even pry bars or anything just laying around. There's probably another fire extinguisher to make two. Stool wheeled fire extinguishers. <laughs> Lars would be like, well, we got to take care of this. And walk over and grab some of the wiring and just, like, yank it, sparking everywhere, and, like, start moving towards the creature with it. Lars, give me a comtech roll to okay. not pull anything that's going to stop patients from turning off the uh, self-destruct. <laughs> oh, this is bad because I got a lot of face-hugger rolls in this one. My stress is four. Ah! Oh, okay. One success. No face hugger. He just walks over and grabs some of the exposed wiring that already seems to be, like, sparking a little bit, yanks it out a little bit harder, and pulls it towards the creature and just, like, jams it towards it. Like to electrocute it? Yes. Close combat. Close combat. Are you going to tase a xenomorph? Because that's amazing. Oh, my God. Okay, no face huggers. Uh, one success. I'm gonna say that's good for two harm, and I'm gonna count it kind of like fire. So I'm only gonna give it five armor. Uh, but it did get two successes on its armor check. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you ram this up against it, and electricity is like flowing all over it and into Bosco too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bosco. I, I didn't like that man much anyway. <laughs> and although you seem to be making it angry, and you think that if you were able to keep it in contact, that you may be able to, you know, do some real damage with this, uh, it's not happening yet. Start to boil it from the inside. Got it. Bosco, it has you grabbed. And now that inner mouth, that inner jaw comes snapping out towards your skull. But somehow you move your head aside just in time. It does rake across your face for two damage. Okay, I'm going to roll the armor first, but then I have a thing. Oh. Uh, Which is good, because I only got one on the armor. But Bosco is a roughneck, and he's resilient. Nice. So he gets to roll more dice. Which none of them came up another success. So no. <laughs> oh well, worth it though. <laughs> he has a thing that turned out to not be useful. And we're back to Bosco. Hey, in for a penny, in for a pound. Don't have that maintenance jack anymore, but um, he's got a fist. Got a big meaty fist right there. <laughs> just try to grab a hold of that inner jaw and just twist away. A shit ton of stress, guy. This is going to go poorly, but here we go. Hmm. Uh, I unfortunately did get another face hugger, but I did get two successes. Well, let's find out if those uh, get nullified by the panic roll. It's five stress is what you're at. Uh, it is. No, it's... Uh, that's your, oh, uh, my God. Okay. Jesus. That's the oh, my God. Of the stress roll. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, I do nothing. I Because that's a cancel action. Yeah. What's the 11 do, though? Seek it's cover. seek cover. Decrease your stress, but increase the stress of all friendlies. Yeah. And that's us. Add another stress. Including jewels. Don't forget that. And then you also have to use uh, your action to escape danger. Or your next action. My next action, yeah. Um, also, I neglected to uh, mention this part, but uh, now everybody uh, needs to make a panic roll. Not oh. uh, not Bosco, in this case, but everybody else. Oh. What does a 10 do again? oh my gosh freeze i freeze i increase my stress and the stress of all friendlies in Ah, short range it begins we're cascading you guys (laughs) yep jewels so that is not gonna matter she was at what two stress then yeah jewels is doing is real laid back at the moment (laughs) yeah yeah okay yeah see the way it's below six so and patience, you don't have to do one. That's correct. 
It tries to tail sting you, Bosco. Three successes. So that would be a total of four damage. Oh. Let's see how this goes. There's one success. And I get to roll my resilient. There's another one. So that's two. Two. Two harm. Also, take another stress level for taking harm. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's going to be the problem is he he won't be able to do anything. He's at the point where he automatically, I mean, I'm at six. So, yeah, that's where the stress waterfall. Yeah. 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 Uh, Then it's patience. I am going to use my movement to get up from my seated position. Uh, rising with um, the weirdest um, uh, flashback of another monster holding another person I was close to above its mouth. And I want to break its hold on Bosco. And I don't know how best to do that, Patrick. So what do you think would be most appropriate? I want to get it, get it to drop him. Yeah, I'll make it the same thing that he would have to do, uh-huh. uh, which is a close combat roll against uh, 10 base die for the Xenomorph. Okay. I got one success. I have been rolling a lot where I get no successes, so you might might have an option. Here, but well, now that you've said that out loud, you're going to get successes. I got three, three yeah. successes. Ah, ah, ah. So you grab a hold of Bosco, but I only got you could probably arm. tear him out of the grip, but it's going to rip Bosco in half. Yeah. He howls in pain from that. Jules, you spotted those things. Uh, I mean, all the, you have that knowledge. Uh, from the navigation, you see where you are, you see where you're headed, you see that patience has gotten the self-destruct turned off, and then you see one more thing as you're looking around, looking for some place to go. There is a coated door off to the starboard side of the bridge. If this ship is set up like it should be, then that will go to the small chamber the very well-protected, very well-sealed chamber uh, where the ship's main AI is kept. Mother. Yes, that's exactly what she's looking for. Let's go in there. Oh, goodness, that's where I want to be. <laughs> Toodaloo. It's in the same zone, so, uh, but it is going to be a ComTech to break in through the security. Uh, okay. There we go. Holy cow. <laughs> Probably got some successes out of something. <laughs> so two successes on that. You could even show off a little bit, I think, if you had anybody that you really wanted to see you doing this. Um, no. She's just going to hold one uh, in case she needs it for another action. Do that plus one on a later roll. And the door hisses open. Hello. <laughs> Good luck in there. <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for you. Lars is frozen. I'm a fan of the players. That just makes it so I don't have a slow action. I still have a fast action. Mm. All I'm going to try to do is just com- just keep holding the-, the wires against the alien. Okay. And go. Go now. You telling the alien to go? No, all the other people. It's just me and Bosco, and I'm trying to break him out of the alien's <laughs> hold. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, Patience. It's got Bosco. It's it's kind of wriggling around. It's not easy to keep it held against there. So do go ahead and roll a close combat. I know it's weird because it's, you know, it's a fast, that's supposed to be a slow action, but you're already up here, so. Six freaking stress die. Oh, thank God. Uh, one, two, just two successes. However, I got a face hugger. Oh, no. And how many stress die are we talking about? Uh, that was on six, uh, six. Well, I doubt that you're going to succeed in this. Yeah. Uh, but let's see what happens to you. Roll a one, roll a one. I panic more, right? Yeah. 1d6 plus your stress. It's a one. <laughs> it's a seven. <laughs> but it does still add one to... It still the... adds one. I still go to a number 11. Yep, I still go to number 11, so that's seat cover. Decrease oh. my stress by one, but increase the stress of all friendlies in range. Oh my god, poor Bosco. <laughs> it doesn't matter for Bosco, because if I roll these nine dice and get one success, uh, it's got the head bite coming in. Yeah. 
one success. <laughs> However, that is still reducible by armor. Oh! Bosco still has armor. <laughs> yeah. Bosco's somehow holding on. How much, what was, what's the damage on that? It's going to be damage two. All right. Oh. Nope, there we go. <gasps> Oh, nice. Oh, my gosh. There's two successes right there. <laughs> somehow, somehow, Bosco manages to twist he's, his body so that the, the, that inner head at its second snap hits his... He's just wiggling too much. It's his protective just, gear. Unbeknownst to him, his, his uh, meaning in life is to make sure that Jules gets somewhere safe. <laughs> so... And yet another one of my characters is apparently going to die. It's it's that phone book that you keep in the front pocket of your overalls. It just keeps biting that. <laughs> no, it's all the snacks. Remember, you always had snacks everywhere. So it turns out like, <laughs> xenomorphs are allergic to mini Oreos. <laughs> Bosco, the Muhammad Ali of the alien world. <laughs> Flow like a stinger, flow like a butterfly, sting like a bee, sting like a cheese it. Like the little mouth came out and stabbed into him, and it clanked back. And now, like, his flask is half stuck on the little mouth and has to shake it off. Or a bag of chips or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The xenomorph's like, this isn't even made of potato. <laughs> Not my chip. Bosco, my I believe chip. you have to try to make a a uh, a go at fleeing. So you need to make a close combat against ten die. Can I help out by trying to... You know, being in the position of trying to prime out. Uh, so go ahead and add one die to that, Bosco. Okay. And I forgot. What's he at? 400. Dressed. I've got two successes over here. Because <laughs> like I said, I, with all the stress, the yeah. odds of me doing anything are really slim. But let's roll yeah, these dice yeah, yeah. and see what happens. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is four successes. But a face hugger, so I will probably just lose the action. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not probable because the best you can do is only go one up from where you Yeah, yeah, are. yeah. Yeah, but everything there is cancel action. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's 10. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so you still you go, you would go one up one to 12. So you just start screaming, <laughs> which is cancel action. So, yeah, yeah. Like four you know. successes do mean no good. Yeah. But it does decrease your stress by uh, one. But every friendly around you oh my God. hearing you screaming, so Lars, and uh, Jules hears the screams, but the door is closing and sealing behind her. But uh, Lars and, and Jules will take one more stress. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. <sighs> Lars and Patience. I don't uh, take stress. Oh, yeah, that's right. The... Xenomorph, unable to bite you, apparently, Bosco. <laughs> it's got you in its claws. You know, some of that is dug in. It just slams you to the ground and then stands over you with its arms outstretched either side, hissing at everyone else around it. <laughs> Bosco, you take another stress level and must make an immediate oh. panic roll. <laughs> oh, my God. Go down and up, down and up. Here we go. Oh, that's ten oh, again! My gosh! So now you're fleeing. Oh, and I see you, so I must make oh, a panic no. roll. No, uh... <laughs> because Bosco is screaming, and then it flew it threw him on the floor. And of course, he stops screaming when he gets thrown on the floor because it kind of released him. So then he realizes that he has an opportunity to to, to run again because he's no longer bound to this thing. So he starts to. To just get the heck out of there. And it's not just a calculated, you know, move. It's that panicked scramble because he's down on the ground. So he, you know, he flips over and tries to almost doggy run away and scramble away. And that's what he's trying to do at the moment is just get the heck out of there. Uh, fight or flight instinct has definitely turned into flight. It's just dropped Bosco. It's standing there with its arms out, hissing at everybody. Which direction did Bosco run? <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't know if it matters. It would have been toward the like toward the captain's chair. Yeah, those control areas. I want to um, spray it in the face with a fire extinguisher. Would that be close? That'd be ranged, probably, huh? Yes. 
Oh, that's not my best. I should have picked something else. Yeah, no, zero successes. Jewels. You're in the heart of the ship, essentially. Here are the controls for everything, really, in the form of the ship's AI. You have a great deal of control in here. A variety pack of things that you can do, such as venting the entire ship to space, or making everything outside of this room an inferno, or just removing the oxygen, or... Um, is this room safe when I do any of those things? It's on a separate uh, support system. It's essentially a heavily shielded chamber within the ship that uh, essentially becomes a, a life support pod. Ooh. I mean, the, the uh, burn the ship down seems kind of appealing, but I think the vent everything into space seems to make more sense. So we're going to vent the ship. Oh, man. All right. Uh, it will require a contact because there are security protocols that you will have to um, overcome. As Mother says, something along the lines of, are you sure you wish to do this, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I have one success, so I'll take it. The way my rolls have been going. Confirm. Are you sure you wish to vent the ship? Mm, unfortunately, yes. I suppose I'll have to. Venting confirmed. Hmm. This one's so polite. Venting confirmed. You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Patience, Lars, Bosco, Xenomorph. The mighty door that connects the bridge to the aft parts of the ship begins to roll open. Venting in progress. And somewhere on various levels of the ship, various sections that open to space, to that cold dark. Dilate open, swing open, roll open, and then there is just a roar as all the air is being sucked from the ship and everything that isn't nailed down is being vented out into space through various access ways and hatches. I want to hang on. Make a hang on roll. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up strength, except take um, minus two dice because you only have one arm. Okay. Two successes. So tell me what this looks like. I think that uh, um, in the initial, you know, moment where every, um, you know, biped in the, uh, <laughs> in the bridge uh, is swept off their feet by the encroaching vacuum, I think patients goes down in a controlled way and kind of intentionally slides towards one of the hand grips that's kind of around the bridge and just kind of grimly grabs onto it and hangs there with legs dangling into the hallway, finds a toehold and uh, finds another toehold and is hanging on and uh, turns their, you know, watches as, uh, as their shipmates get uh, pulled away or blown away, I should say, and then turns their head and looks at the door into the mother computer chamber and starts to push up with their legs and starts to try and climb up to the... Once the ship's totally decompressed, I'm going to try and climb up towards um, the uh, chamber. Until then, Lars, make a straight-up strength roll. Oh, God. Two facehuggers, two successes. <sighs> roll panic. Oh. Rolling panic. Oh, God, that's horrible. I am currently at seat cover, so I was thinking of ducking behind a desk or something that was bolted into the ship that I know would provide a little bit of something that I could actually use to support being sucked out. But I rolled, oh, let's see, that's 12. I rolled a 12, so I move up to scream anyway. It's just screaming, I fear, for your last words then. Oh, buddy. <sighs> <laughs> Bosco uh, He's back to the Scooby-Doo scramble uh, To try to get as far away from the alien as possible Pretty easily done As the um, winds Are helping you out in that regard Lars goes tumbling past you uh, But you don't care You just need to get away from this thing No matter what And so you Almost aid in your own Doom Patience. Mm -hmm. 
the xenomorph. Does it uh, put on a top hat and do a little, hello, my baby, hello, my honey. The xenomorph grabs you as it gets pulled away. Okay. That does one damage. You have no armor, right? That's correct. And uh, that's the last of Patience's health also. It rips into you. And so the last thing we see on the bridge is your one remaining arm gripped around the bar at the edge of the doors there surrounding the bridge. Soon, the ship is quiet, just a few beepings, and as the air begins to refill after the doors close, we see in the forward viewport Wednesday station, whole and gleaming against its gas giant parent, and we hear a voice come across the radio from Wednesday Station. The spacecraft, identify yourself. And then we hear Jules say, Oh, goodness. Uh, this is the, um, which ship am I on again? Uh, this is the Wapiti? No, this is the Piscot? Oh, yeah. No, no, I had it right the first time. Um, sorry, it's been a bit of an adventure. And what you see, Jules, is in synchronous orbit with Wednesday Station, but a few clicks out is the Wapiti, and you know you need to figure this out. The book ends, and things all around you fade to black. Which probably doesn't feel great since we've been in space. <laughs> Sorry. In the house in Macon, Missouri, Haven Harrow waits patiently in a dusty room, the windows blacked out in places, broken in others, and covered quickly with curtains to block the light that is shining dimly in the room from the candles lit all about the echoing library space. The books are still in their bookshelf slots on the wall. The space still feels cold and dangerous and filled with magic, more so even than usual, because Haven Harrow has been able to achieve a few things in the year, no, almost two years now that the hunters have been gone. And she has figured out how to tell when they're about to come back. It's not an exact science or magic, Haven, because, uh, of course, it's magic. And and there's all sorts of weird things still going on in Macon that mess with that. You've had a couple of false uh, positives on the return. So I've just been waiting in an empty room. Nothing comes. You wait in an empty room. <laughs> well, I guess it wasn't today after all. You don't feel the, the thrum of energy that tells you that it's going to happen. <laughs> Luckily, you have a book to read. <laughs> or two. <laughs> you have figured out um, some other things, Haven. You have figured out how to bring the lost together into a book. You just need to know which book. Uh, the lost, not the hunters. Right. And it's a tricky procedure, and you're not entirely certain it'll work because it requires some big magic. Mm -hmm. But you are and have been anxious to try it out, even though you've been busy with the other magical and arcane and supernatural events going on in Macon while the others were gone. But in any case, Haven, you are here in the house, not quite alone. There's a couple of the other seekers here, the relatives or friends of the lost. Those are actually outside, standing guard against the security teams that sometimes still come by, and against the creature of eyes that still lurks in the hallways That's of the house. That's still there? Two years later? Good grief. Does he You've pop in and like out, or does he just, does he patrol? <laughs> 
You've named it like Bob. It's like, oh, hey, Bob. Wait, okay, it's coming. It's time to disperse. Here comes Bob. <laughs> you see me rolling my eyeballs. <laughs> Literally. Oh. This time, though, you feel it. The pressure in your skull uh, that means that the book is over. And the symbol on the floor flares for a moment. But no hunters appear. This does not bode well. Uh, that makes me nervous. <laughs> Could they have been killed in the book? I'd feel that. I want to say that if I've got the spidey sense to know that they're coming back through, that I would be able to feel if they weren't going to come back through at all, ever. How about roll investigate a mystery? Roll plus sharp. Plus sharp. Four plus four plus one. Nine. On a nine, you get a hold one. Right. I mean, what happened here, maybe, but like if I used what is being concealed here, would that be more in the lens of how can I fix it? What's being concealed here is always a good catch all in investigative mystery. (laughs) Something's happening here and you don't know what it is. What's being concealed? I don't don't really need to know what happened. I just need to know how to fix it. So when, when they went into the book, you realized something was wrong. You, it's been a while, but you remember that now. You, I do. I remember feeling that something was wrong. You felt that they were in greater danger than usual for some reason. Perhaps Lazarus Cain had a bead on them. In any case, you did the only thing that you could. You split them into three. Oh, thanks, Haven. Drastic. Only thing I can do is just 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 chop your friends into thirds. It's fine. Wait a minute. So Haven's the reason why we had to play three characters this season. (laughs) I guess so, guys. Sorry. Wow. That was the only thing I could do. (laughs) But when the book ended, that still shouldn't have affected it. It should have been the. It should have just been straightforward. Uh, the book finishes whether, you know, they're three or not. They come back together and, oh, they come back here. That's how it has worked. In my vast experience, splitting people into three. <laughs> unless something happened, unless there was a glitch, mm-hmm. or unless there was interference. So in order to, you need to contact them. So what's being concealed here is that something is keeping them from coming back. Because as you determined, even if they die in the book, it seems, uh, which is not what you all thought at the beginning, but even if they die in a book, they come back, they're just in a coma. Like The hunters not as well, not just the lost? Well, we, we don't know, but they're human beings. They're people just like the lost are. The only difference is that they, some of them have some more power than others, but actually Nathan and, and, and LJ are, you know, just regular mortal folk. And even Dr. Grace just has some weird supernatural abilities with science. Science? Science! Science! She killed them all with science. Science! So I would say you need to use magic, Haven, to observe another time or place. In this case, wherever it is that the hunters are, your friends. I will use magic. Roll plus weird. Good, because I rolled a six, so eight. Eight is good. It works imperfectly. You choose your effect. In this Um, case, observe another place or time, another place, wherever it is that Dr. Grace and LJ and Nathan are. mm -hmm. Red. And you get to choose a glitch from the list. I will uh, choose that the effect is of short duration. Okay. What's this look like as you're casting the spell? So uh, I don't really need any fancy carvings or pentagrams to cast this spell. Uh, I don't have to uh, open a vein for this one, I'm going to say. I can just uh, absorb the magic around me. The, I've been here many times. I've performed magic here many times. I can just 
concentrate and dive into the existing waves around me and kind of draw them to myself in an energetic knot. And once I've got that focus, then I can take and take that knot and send threads out in the direction that I want. Each one of your spells for a material component requires one eye from the eye creature, <laughs> and that's why you keep him around. <laughs> oh, good right, old <laughs> Time to Andy up. It's sustainable. <laughs> he re regenerates a new eyeball every day. <laughs> it seems like he has many to spare. Hunters, Dr. Grace, LJ, Nathan, Red, Winters, you faded to black. The end of the book. And now... Everything is white. That's all. That's all there is around you. It's just white everywhere. The three of you and whiteness everywhere. What in the Sam hell's going on here? Yeah, can we can we see each other? Are we standing on anything? Yeah, you you can see one another. You feel ground beneath you, but you can't see it. It's like you're in a uh, it's like you're in a blizzard in a whiteout. I was gonna say inside a ping pong ball, but that works too. Yeah, it's like you're in a, inside of a ping pong ball. It's like that movie with Keanu Reeves before all the guns and stuff come in. He was sitting in that little spot, you know. And that, uh, who was that? That that other fella. Was that Samuel L. Jackson, that guy that come out there? I don't know. That's, it's a joke, because they always get him and Lawrence Fishburne confused. <laughs> I want to investigate. Uh, can I, do I have my feet? Can I stand? <laughs> you are currently how you imagine yourself. I have my feet. So, like, do you guys remember what just happened? Yes. You have all of your memories now from all three of your avatars in the alien verse. All of that is now is now part of you. It's like you just lived three different lives and that's all come back together. But you're getting better apparently at at dealing with that or at least maybe pushing it to the back because until LJ said that you weren't all screaming in the madness of uh, realization of self again. I have a sudden urge to go bake something, and I'm still not certain why. Uh, LJ, uh, go ahead and make an act under pressure. Oh, I get to do act under pressure. Act under pressure. Um, 13. Nice. All right. Double sixes on my first roll. Hell yeah, yeah. You are able to almost seamlessly interweave the memories of Axel and Dr. Laura and Lars. Some of those memories are not pleasant ones. Yeah, I'm just remembering uh, um, Lazarus Kane coming out of the mouth of the xenomorph at my face after having my arm torn off and uh, gonna start kind of just rubbing the arm in question a little Make bit. act under pressure. Act under pressure. <laughs> Mark experience. It's a six. <laughs> Mark experience. Oh my god. Oh man. <laughs> that is awesome. Snake eyes? I don't handle that well. No, I rolled a four and I have a plus two cool because I finally wised up to the fact that act under pressure happens like three times a session. <laughs> but it's still not enough to save me, apparently. Yeah. Your arm doesn't function. Oh, that's that's not good. And Mr. Winters, give me an act under pressure. Uh, nine. That's nice. what we like to see. You're holding it together here, but you're going to be compelled to quote scenes or dialogue from all of the Alien movies that you can remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a while. Or, no <laughs> You can hold it together, but only by screaming <laughs> for a long time. Can he take a level of stress? <laughs> or you can hold it together, but realize that you're naked. Oh. oh. I mean, uh, for the sake of the audio, I'm not going to scream. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking movie quotes is where it's going to be. I've been waiting for this my whole life. You want me to do the movie quotes now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. There's a, how do I integrate all of that with just movie quotes? <laughs> so in Red's mind, as he kind of probes in to, to figure out, you know, what's going on, you see a scene where it looks like it's from the movie Aliens, the sequel. 
and you see the the Marines, and but it's that weird part where as it starts flashing to the faces, they look different. Although the scene looks exactly the same as it is in the movie, uh, you know, he starts to see these these strange people, and then he realizes that one of them is kind of himself. And you know, there's there's the aliens are coming. There's they're firing their plasma rifles. It's this chaotic military scene. And then you see the face hugger jump up, and the camera kind of cuts away. And as it you know does the like a quick flip around on the camera to give you that almost dizzying feel to the to the the, the shot anyway. So you look, and as the camera just kind of makes that smash cut back around as the face hugger jumps up, that last moment of terror that you see on his face, you realize that uh, the face you're seeing is both red and the face of Wild Bill. And, you know, Red has this moment where he kind of pieces that together into the corner of his mind. And as the camera fades back in, you see some people running through the ship. And this is clearly the ship from the first Alien movie. It looks almost exactly the same. Uh, As a matter of fact, to him, he can't tell the difference. But once again, the people that are running are different. And he knows he's running away from an alien, but this alien is is a full-sized and there are several people running with him, and he, he he doesn't recognize the faces of these people, but they look like people from the movie. In fact, one of them is an android. But he doesn't understand what's happening until the one guy uh, turns around, and you see what we recognize as the face of Bosco. But you know the, the other people kind of kind of blur the image. And, and as the you know the lights are strobing on the ship, the steam is coming out, and it, it fades out. And once again, you see that face of Bosco turn into the face of Red. And in Red's mind, those two images kind of smash together. And you, you see flashes of Wild Bill, you see flashes of Bosco, but there seems to be something missing. And then we go back to that fateful final scene, and this face is very different. It's oddly somewhat like Red as well. You see the facial features, just clearly uh, a very different physical presence. And we realize that we're seeing jewels. We've all come to know and love in one way or another. <laughs> and the strange thing is you start to notice things about Jules that you never noticed before. She has obviously that, that characteristic voice, the characteristic cadence, but you begin to realize that the mannerism, the way she moves, it reminds you much more of Red than you ever realized it did before. Very nice. And Red sees this just the same. He, he he recognizes that piece of himself in each one of those images, in each one of those scenes. And as he files them away together in his mind, like a jigsaw puzzle coming together, they make a clear picture of Nathan Red Winters. And the fact that those three different people weren't different people at all, just different pieces of, of Red's mind, comes into, comes into view, and there's that level of realization. It's Carl and... Um... And, uh, of course, Nathan Redbone in there as well. You know, I suppose they would be because, you know, Red isn't necessarily an old guy, but he's at that stage in life where he realizes he's going to get there. And there, there's something that happens at that point where, you know, you, you start to come to grips with you're just not young anymore. And you know where this is, is kind of headed. And you see that not necessarily fear, but to a certain degree, uneasiness that your life is slowly passing by, that that kind of idea has splintered off into that that old man, that, that someone who you know you're going to get there sooner than you think you are. And that's exactly where you got Carl from, is that that, that image, that, that almost fear that, that he splintered off at some point into a different person to try to help process. Uh, that a little bit. And obviously, you know, there's that little bit of an adventurous uh, Texan in him that is, uh, you know, that he, he kind of considers himself uh, a bit of a caricature at times, uh, you know, as he tries to present himself as that very typical guy in the cowboy hat, the belt buckle, uh, you know, as, as he realizes that's not entirely his personality, but that is where he, you know, he, he goes with it because is it just him wanting to fit in? Was it just him realizing that you know, there are just so many different pieces to his personality. And the, once again, those are all kind of coming together in that jigsaw puzzle. And um, as he realizes all of those pieces are just one, that's when you get the, the wonderful quote there where he winks at the camera. And instead of saying it in panic, he realizes the quote should always just have been, game over, man, game over. 
the air feels different as Nathan Red Winters is saying movie quotes and muttering <laughs> to himself. And Haven Harrow's voice comes to you because, Haven, you have made contact. There is an all white space, and you realize it's not just a nothing space, it's the very back pages of a book. You know, those filler pages. We are the epilogue. Dude. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Sometimes I do flip through those. <laughs> <laughs> My inner Gigi wants to leave like a little frowny face. <laughs> what do you say, Haven? <laughs> Rat, I just have to get them to the very end. How do I get them through this? Do you hear Haven muttering? Is there any vision or just the sound? Nope. All you can do is hear her voice. Awesome. Haven! Hello? Haven? Guys? Is that you? Can you hear me? You can hear me. Yes, okay. we can hear you. All the right. hell. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm working on it. <laughs> can, you, can you pull out and nuke the site from orbit? It's the only way to be for sure. Next time, kindly choose a more pleasant novel. Uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, we'll see about Alice in Wonderland or something. But uh, in the meantime, we don't have a lot of time. And I have to get you out of here quickly. So, what to do about this? Well, it's kind of like we're in a big ping pong, yo. Do I know what book they're in? Can I, like, physically leaf through that book and get through those? <laughs> Shake us out of the end pages physically, <laughs> like playing cards falling out. <laughs> yes, because, like usual, a, uh, a book has fallen out onto the floor ah, of the library. Awesome. Oh, hang on. I think I see the right, the right one. I just have to get you to the very, very end. It's a, it's a book called um, Alien Horror by Dean Allen Foster. <laughs> oh, well, this looks interesting. Quite exciting. You could, yeah. see it. <laughs> you could put it that way. Okay, so not, I... Not I, really my kind of narrative. I actually go over to the book and pick it up and start, start flipping through it, trying to get to those last white pages uh you do you flip through to the back and you get to the last page uh, little pages there and there is a sticky note at the very end of the book in those white pages aha sorry got here first lc uh-huh. what? at the same time the white in your reality at the moment lj dr grace nathan winters rips. Behind it, you see a cityscape, but behind that, you see something else. You see a red hellscape, almost, and a tower rising very, very high. Does it look familiar at all? Is there a lighthouse at the top? (laughs) Yeah. Always. (laughs) The Eye of Sauron always (laughs) always watches. I mean, yeah, there, LJ, you have analogs, the lighthouse, the um, Mordor, (laughs) um, the Dark Tower. Great. But those just all flash through your mind very quickly because it's the shadow of the cityscape in front of it that is a street. And then blocking the view is a figure, and that figure steps through into the whiteness and it is Lazarus Kane, one eye covered with a an eye patch, wearing a a suit, very stylish, silk, black, and looking at LJ with his one eye, he says, I told you I was coming. And then he takes his hand, it becomes a xenomorph's spiked tail, and that tail Rams into Nathan Red Winters. What? Game over, man. Game over. And tears him asunder. I learned something, says Lazarus Kane, from this. And with a bloody tail limb, he points at his own eye. Apparently, I have to kill you all myself. I shall have... All of those you called the lost here soon. He tosses 
red winters, and blood is everywhere, as he slumps to the ground. What do you do? Well. Wow. Dang. Um. Um. Can I go GG kick the shit out of him? Of Nathan? No, of Lazarus Kane. Nathan's already dying, man. No, I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to. I'm. I'm so tired of this dude. I want to go like harm him. In in a little bit of shock and just realizing what was just happening and not knowing what is going on in this ping pong ball, <laughs> reach out to Haven again. Can we turn back pages? Ooh. A dark smudge is spreading across the page that you are looking at, Haven. Oh my god, that's so stressful. Uh, you guys, what's going on? Can we put Red back to where Dr. Laura was getting her heart replaced? You mean if I flip back to that part in the book? Can we put Red in that situation? I don't know that I can put Red back there without putting all of you back there. Haven, there's hardly time for you to have had much of this conversation before Dr. Grace throws herself one-armed at Lazarus Kane. But it's also just at the same time that you hear shouts and screams from outside the door of the library in the house. Of course they did. Dr. Grace, kick some ass. Avec plaisir. Uh, where's kick some ass? Great. Good. Can I borrow Gigi's stats? <laughs> Act under pressure. Okay. Come on, dude. These bone dice are lame, Patrick. I never said they were not. Yeah, it's a five. You try, Dr. Grace, to channel Gigi, and you feel it. You feel Gigi come forward, but then what happens is she tries to throw the punch with that arm. Damn it, Gigi. That's essentially a dead arm at the moment. And all that happens is that Lazarus Kane laughs. (laughs) And he turns his back on you and steps back through the rift. God, I want to push him so bad. One down. Why wouldn't he press his advantage and keep killing you all? Because the original lost were Nathan Winters, Arthur Love, Chris Luther, and Celia Chadwell. He just stabbed Nathan Nathan Winters Winters and then stepped back through Haven. What do you do? You hear shouts and screams from outside. Outside the door. Okay, so I could potentially try and do what what LJ's asking and try and put them back further or something. I might like, I could like flip back and put a bookmark in somewhere. And, And because your spell was of limited duration, you now lose contact with them. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I'm on my own. Um, do I think that trying to put them back in the alien book is going to help anything? You can't do it quickly. Uh, you're not even quite sure how you would do it. Okay, so I'm just going to take the book with me and and go see what I can do about the here and now, because I don't know what to do about the them. Out in the hallway, where Haley Albert and Hotspur Love were standing guard, you see, even as the body of Nathan Winters fades away in that white zone. What? Wait, what? You see, Haven, that here on the floor is lying the bloody, torn body of Nathan Red Winters. It was Haley Albert who screamed and Hotspur who shouted, but then they both look at you in horror as they begin to fade from reality. Ah. Meanwhile, in the what? white, in the white, as Lazarus Kane steps back through the rift he has made, or that is there, he says, One of your lost down, five to go. And the rift begins to close. Haven, there is another figure out in the hallway. It is that of Chris Luther. He looks around, sits up, coughs, and goes, "What? Uh, wait, I got to get my Minnesota accent on because he's Minnesotan." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what's going? What's going on here? Uh, did he materialize like all at once, fully corporeal, just one minute 
not there and the next minute there? Or did he fade? Or was there any kind of effect? Those two were already there when you come out the door. Haley, Albert, and Hotspur are fading gradually from view. And Nathan and Chris, Nathan and Chris are, are fully material in the hallway as if they were never gone. Right. Excellent. Well, you managed to save somebody. They don't hear that, unfortunately. In the white, what do you do, Dr. Grace? Is there any way I could grab something off of him as he goes back through the rift, like a piece of hair or a button from his suit or something? I want a little piece of of um, something that belongs to him that might give me power over him in the future. I fear with those two experience points that you earned, yeah. no. Him getting away clean is part of that. And Red just faded away. LJ, come over here. Hold out my hand for him. Uh, I will grab that hand. Totally, dude. I want to go through the rift after him. It is closing. All right, following along. Uh, one of you, roll act under pressure. The other can help out if the case uh, so arises. I'm afraid to. Can you do it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do act under pressure if you help out. Yeah, uh, okay, help. It may not matter. <laughs> so this is the time when I rolled a 13 <laughs> to help out. <laughs> I only rolled a five. Oh, great. Plus one is only six. Wait, but doesn't doesn't help out give give him another plus one? Is that It gives a plus one, yes. So that's So a that seven. gets me to seven. Oh, yeah. <gasps> Yay! Oh, so no, we do it. Not the choices! I hate the choices. But, okay, but, we the choices Patrick. but we succeed. You love the choices. I love the choices. Yeah. Here's your choices. You go through the rift into that strange, shadowy city beyond, but Haven will have no means of finding you. Or you will make it through the rift, but in the incarnations of your cells beyond, whatever that looks like, Dr. Grace will not have use of her arm. Or you get through the rift. I mean, seven to nine, you get through the rift. You're making it through the rift. But you're not going to be in the space beyond. I mean, the space that you can you could see. You're going to be somewhere completely different. Oh. So, okay. Uh, cl- clarification on the, um, the use of my arm. You mean in the next, in the next iteration of wherever we end up going next. I will just not have right. the use of that. Exactly. While you are contemplating this, Haven, what do you do? Do I feel anything from the book in my hand? It feels now just like a book. I don't get that magic tingle. You know what? Uh, give me an act under pressure. Oh, that magic tingle. Good old act <laughs> under pressure. Give me a seven to nine. Come on. Oh, <laughs> Um, there's no way I can recover from that, so... Oh, can I spend a luck point? Oh, I'll do that. Oh, I should have done that to punch Lazarus Kane. I always forget the luck. <laughs> it is a full success. The full success, though, is you You knew that you could put the lost that were remaining, whoever, however many they were, into the same book world with them. You have just enough trace left that you can do that. You can put everybody together in the same world. Wow. I mean, right now, it looks like that's Arthur Love and uh, Haley Albert and Hotspur Love, who are still the ones who are lost. Because Celia is in a coma, Chris is back and healthy, and Nathan is back. And I mean, is he stone cold dead at this point, or is medical attention necessary? Or is he in a coma? No, you said he was bleeding. There was blood, so... There is blood, but at the moment... That doesn't mean he's okay. At the moment, it's not looking good, but the blood is still spurting a little bit. Okay, so actually, before I do anything else, I'm going to go over to him. Oh, no, you have this one second. One second? All right, well, hopefully Chris Chris is is medically trained. Um, So I'm going to take this one second and send everybody into this. Uh, into the same world. Whoa, man, that's a lot of pressure on my shoulders. Roll use magic. Use magic. Uh, It's eight. Um, The use magic that you're doing, essentially you're doing big magic, but you'd already prepped for this. You just needed the, you just needed to know where they were going. And although this isn't ideal, 
you've got that tracer. And so you are essentially uh, doing one thing that is beyond human limitations here. The good old catch-all for, uh, for use magic. Uh, what is the glitch? I'm going to take harm. Uh, so there is a echo of Lazarus Kane's laughter, and you feel your head just sort of split open, metaphorically, not literally, <laughs> from the pressures of this magic, and your nose starts bleeding, your eyes start bleeding, your ears start bleeding, and you, too, fall to your knees here, because you had to do that quickly and without the... Protection or anything, yeah. And you start to crawl over to Nathan Winters, even as Chris Luther sees what's happening and shakes his head and goes, uh-uh, oh. <laughs> and then we fade back to LJ's choice. I know what I would pick. I want to make it fun for you, Dr. Grace. Don't get me wrong, but I think I'm going to give up the connection with Haven at the moment. Oh. I want to go with the really like crazy stuff, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It through these journeys, I've just grown fond of you, Grace. Like we haven't known each other for thirty years, LJ. Um, no, I would. I was going to pick the arm. I know that <laughs> sounds so fun, and that yeah. The rift closes behind you, and as this season of the Gothic Podcast ends, well, join us next time for our retrospective, and we've got a. Halloween horror special coming up, and we've got our Krampus Knock special coming up, and I believe Kirsten might be joining us for that one. Maybe. And then join us next season when we play City of Mist. Yay! <laughs> oh, I've wanted to play that so bad. I'm so stoked. The Gothic Podcast is a humor and horror actual play podcast produced by C. Patrick Nagel. Starring C. Patrick Nagel, Sharon Gallery LaFournaise, Jesse Baldwin, and Richard Southard. Season 3 of the Gothic Podcast uses rules from the Alien RPG, produced by Free League Publishing and Monster of the Week, written by Michael Sands and published by Evil Hat Productions. Theme music is by Zoe Hovland and original artwork by Jared George Art. If you enjoy the Gothic Podcast, please like, rate, and review us on iTunes. Visit our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feeds and check out our Patreon page. Thanks! Haven, you got a full success on that that ping when you sent the lost to the same world as the hunters as your friends but you know that you are going to lose connection with them because you feel that happening there is something you can do you sent the lost there you can follow would you like to do so there's nobody left to protect in this world there is just chris luther and perhaps Nathan Red Winters. And Chris is already moving toward the body of Nathan Winters. Is this also a split-second decision? It is. I've got to go to them. Do what you can for Nathan. And Haven Harrow fades away.